Well, the story we're looking at today starts with something that is often sort of just overlooked. It, it says, now uh, he, it says, Jesus stared at the crowd and then urged them to depart to the other side or urged the disciples or just he decided that he was going to go to the other side. And, and what is sort of set up here is you have a whole bunch of people following Jesus. It's all good. The crowds were following Jesus, and there was, it's great that the crowds were following Jesus. There's nothing bad about that. There's nothing negative about the way that they're following Jesus. There's a huge group of people following Jesus, but Jesus stares at that group of people, and it doesn't say anything about him thinking anything negatively or anything like that with it, but he stares at this group of people, and then he says, I'm going to the other side. And that group of people, the crowd, stays there. They're, they're still followers of Jesus. He can come back. They'll follow him. But, but their insight into Jesus and what is happening and what Jesus is doing is confined to sort of a limited space. And it turns out Jesus is getting up and going, and he's going to someplace that's out of their sight, that they're not going to be able to see what it is that's happening. But some are because some have gotten in the boat with him. And so the staring at the crowd isn't so much him saying, don't be like this, be like, it's about him sort of giving us an opportunity and encouragement to see that there's something more that we can grab a hold of. And, and what it is, it's sort of like at a, a basketball game. You can watch the game and you can be a spectator but there's so much more to the game that you see and participate in as a player. And what he's saying to us is, it's great that you're watching me. It's great that you're a spectator. But I want you to become a player. You can become a player. There's nothing keeping you from becoming a player. And then from that, sort of that urging for us to get into the game, to stop just spectating, but to get into the game. That this watching Jesus, following Jesus in that sense of seeing what's happening, what that leads us into is to become a player in the game. He starts, he has these interactions at, here at the beginning, which is basically him telling us up front, Here's what the problem is. If we want to get into the game, here's what's going to need to happen. It's not that you have to have a, a skill set. You don't need to have any kind of natural ability. You don't have to have had a bunch of practice. Here's the things that it's going to take to get into the game. And, and then he get, we have this story about the storm that tells us what it's like in the game. And, and so let's uh, take a look at this. The first thing that happens is these two encounters. One is with the scribe, and he says, uh, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then another disciple said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. 
it's these two encounters that seem different, but, but they're actually talking about the same thing. One is talking about place, the place to lay his head. He's not saying that he's not going to, he doesn't have a place to lay his head and sleep because the next story is about him sleeping, <laughs> exactly what he said, in the boat. What he's saying is, is foxes have holes. It's a familiar place that I go to. The birds have nests. It's a familiar place. You're not going to be able to, I'm not leading you to home, to that familiar place that you think of as home. If we're going to get in the game, it's not going in that direction. And then the other is the people of home. Uh, he says, let me go bury my father. Who is a father? It's just, he's talking about the connection that we have, the familiarity that we have with people. You, you, I mean, to put it in sort of, a, you could say home and homies is what he's talking about, or people of home. But, but what he's really getting at is that, look, if we want to get into the game, we need to understand that the game isn't leading us to some place that's familiar. That gives us no guide. What's familiar to us, either place or people, he says, all that is just about the dead burying the dead. In other words, it's, it's meaningless. It doesn't have any purpose to anything. The only thing that matters is where is Jesus going? Just where is Jesus going? And we don't know. It's not that he's going to a place that's familiar. He's just going. And let's just go with wherever it is that Jesus goes. Now, now how does that play a part in things? Um, you know, a lot of times when we have a sense of encounter with Jesus and we just have this, this urging to sort of take a step into that more, to sort of become more in it, sometimes we think that where that's going to lead is, say, if I went to the Catholic Church before, it means I got to go back to the church that I was at. If I went to Presbyterian, I need to go back to that. Well, whatever it is that we have in our mind that's familiar, we, we think it's getting into the game means getting back to what's familiar. He says, no, that's not it. That, that leads to just the dead burying the dead. We're just all of a sudden now engaged in a bunch of things that had nothing to do with the life that we were wanting to grab a hold of. If we want to grab a hold of the life that we're sensing with Jesus, it means just go where we see Jesus going. Where do we see Jesus going? It's a difficult thing. Sometimes for churches, it happens with churches all the time. I remember one church that I went to, they had a youth group that in the past, that youth group, a lot of people in the church had had life-changing experiences through that youth group, and the youth group had sort of dwindled down to five or six people. But what also had happened in that church that was sort of a side thing is that this one guy just decided he was going to start a young life group, which is, you know, a funny thing. It's, it's sort of a lot of the way that Tribe Inc. got started, a lot of what Andrew did that, that led to what is Tribe started with a Young Life thing. Same thing. What Young Life is, is just a group that's sort of a, that's just reaching out to kids in high schools and junior highs. But in this particular church, that started growing. And it wasn't just that it was growing, that it went to like 50, 100 people in the high school group, 50 to 100 people in the junior high, more people than was in the entire church. 
But that's where lives were being changed. That's where people were encountering Jesus. Kids were coming to understand who Jesus was and put their faith in him. That particular place where that church was happening, kids in that town had a very high suicide rate. It was saving people in a literal sense of that. Their parents were seeing the changes in the kids. Their parents were coming to Jesus. Things were changing. And this was what, if you were to look at it, everyone knew this is what Jesus did. But what the church does is sort of just held on to both. But this was a, what had been what was familiar. They kept thinking this would feed into this. They kept waiting for this to become this. But there was no connection there. And that's what we have to understand. If we want to get in the game, just look at what Jesus is doing and just go with We don't need to know where it's all going. It doesn't need to fit in with what's happened in the past. It doesn't need to be what's familiar. It doesn't need to connect whatsoever. In fact, oftentimes it just doesn't. Where Jesus was going was to the other side, which was completely a place that wasn't familiar to them. Just look at what Jesus, where Jesus is going. And, you know, for us as a church, what, what's familiar, I mean, for, you know, almost, I don't know, 25 years, the church has been meeting at the seminary, and we've been meeting on site, and lots of people have gotten saved, and there's been a ton of stuff that's happened. That's what's familiar. Now with COVID and everything else that's been going on, What's Jesus doing? And is it going to relate? The things that we see Jesus doing, he's doing things on this Zoom. Uh, people's lives are being changed uh, through things that are happening. It's not something we would have chosen, but it's where it is. What's Jesus doing? He's giving out tons of food to people and other resources to people, and not just giving out food, but connecting us as followers of Jesus to literally thousands of families. It's like the stories that we're going to read about it here in Matthew, when Jesus feeds the 4,000, Jesus feeds the 5,000. That's happening in a literal sense with us. If we want to get into the game, just think about where Jesus is going. Where do we see? And don't worry about how that connects to what's happened in the past. Don't worry about how that connects to what's familiar. Don't worry about how that connects to people that I feel familiar with. What Jesus is, is where he's going, is he's going to people that I might not have anything in common with. People that might be not from my neighborhood. People that I haven't had connection with. The home, what he's saying is, is just go where Jesus is going. And what we're hoping to have had happen, what, what our hopes that are attached to that familiarity, to, to what we see as our home and homies over here, that whatever it is that we are hoping, we're actually going to find it here. And it's going to be a common sense of purpose, and it's going to be about what is, where is Jesus going? What is Jesus doing? Now, now the problem is, is that, one, when we 
getting in the game means going where Jesus is going, doing what Jesus is doing, is sometimes we hesitate because we don't see how that connects to we're actually holding to what's familiar. We don't see how that connects. Just let go of that. But, but the next part of this is another problem. And here's the problem as it comes up. It says, uh, when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves, but Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him up, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing, we're being destroyed. Here's one of the biggest problems we face, is if we want to move from being a spectator to the joy of playing the game. Is what, this isn't leading. We, we can't think about where it's leading us to, some sort of past familiar. What it is that we're hoping for here is only tied to wherever it is that Jesus is going. But the second problem is, is it will always be clear what Jesus is doing. The problem is, is that what we see Jesus doing, we feel like we just can't relate to. And what we're really saying is, is Jesus is doing something. It was very clear here what Jesus was doing. He was taking a nap. There was no, they knew what Jesus was doing. He was taking a nap. The problem wasn't, well, I just don't see what Jesus is doing. We will always see what Jesus is doing. The problem is, is that Jesus is oftentimes doing something that we just don't see how that relates. We just don't see it. How does Jesus taking a nap relate to this giant storm, this destruction that we see all around us. It doesn't seem to relate. We need to ask, where is Jesus going? What is Jesus doing? Where he is going doesn't need to fit with what we're comfortable with. It's oftentimes not. It doesn't need to fit with what we're familiar with. Where Jesus is going, what Jesus is doing, we don't need to be able to see how that relates. And you think, well, Jesus just doesn't care. He's just taking a nap there. He's not, he doesn't care about us. There's this storm going on. Well, sometimes we, we think about Jesus and we think we can't relate to it. And so we wonder, you know, is Jesus, does he care? Does what he's doing fit with the storm that we see? But the truth is, what were the disciples doing? Because they were worried? Does that mean that they cared? Because they were futilely trying to combat a storm that they weren't going to be able to topple, that the storms, that they care? No. Jesus was doing something. It, it did relate and they saw how that related later. But oftentimes when we see what Jesus is doing, we're going to look at it, and we're just going to sometimes have a hard time relating that to what it is that we think is important. It says to them, he said, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. It says that the word rebuke is 
not so much that he scolded the waves. The, the word means um, setting it and telling it to reflect the state of being that is actually the case. In other words, the, the state of being, what was actually the case is that they were as safe with the presence of God with them as though the storm was just the, it says, as quiet or calm as can be. That was what the real state is. And the storm wasn't reflecting that. And Jesus told the waves and the storm, no, I want you to reflect the real reality. And so then they did. And the real reality was it was perfectly calm. In other words, they had this sense of urgency, this sense of fear by looking at the state of being around them. But that wasn't accurately portraying what the real state of being was, given that God was there in the boat with them which is what they were coming to understand. And, and when I first looked at this, I thought, this is great. Jesus is saying, you know, don't be afraid. And he's saying, you know, I need to, he's, he's doing miraculous things to sort of calm our fears. What, whether we need it to have it happen or not, whether the storm is a threat or not, we perceive it as a threat. And, and Jesus is working to sort of calm our fears. That was the first thing I thought of until I started looking at the words a little bit more closely. And what, what he says there, he says, why are you afraid? It, it is afraid, but he's saying it in a specific sense. What he's saying to them is, why are you guys such a bunch of cowards? Now, that doesn't seem maybe all that caring, that doesn't seem uh, it's not really what I wanted to hear. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason to look at this and for me to think that I'm any different than the disciples. What I heard when I looked at that is like, oh, Jesus is calling me a coward. That's not really what I wanted to hear. <laughs> It took me a while to just sort of grapple with that, like, why is Jesus calling me a coward? The reason why he's calling them a coward, the reason why he's calling us cowards is because the disciples were trying to fix something that really just didn't need to get fixed. And the reason why they were trying to fix something that didn't need to get fixed is because they and us were sort of hiding from the real problem. And the real problem is that there isn't a human fix. There's no human fix to the storm that they were looking at. The only fix was a God fix. And God was there in the boat with him. Jesus was displaying caring not by some sort of worry, 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 not by yappity, yap, 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 not by vainly trying to do something that can't be done. He was displaying caring by being in the boat with them, his presence in the boat with them, and his presence as God in the boat meant that taking a nap was fine. In fact, taking a nap displayed caring taking a nap by God saying, look, just relax. We're going to the other side. I said we're going to the other side. There isn't a storm that's going to be able to stop me, God, from going to the other side. 
if God is in the boat with us, that's all we need to know. If God is in the, says, get in the boat, we're going to the other side, that's all we need to know. From that point on, just relax, take a nap. Because if it is true that God is in the boat, if we can take where Jesus is going and what Jesus is doing as something that God is doing, then it's perfectly okay to give the storm a rest. We don't need to look at the storm. Let's just look at where Jesus is going, what Jesus is doing, and the only reason why that, in the end, makes a difference is if what Jesus, where Jesus is going, is where God is going. If what Jesus is doing is what God is doing. If Jesus and God are the same thing, as we come to understand the being a player isn't about humans going. Being a player isn't about humans doing. That being a player isn't about us fixing anything. It's about following Jesus and coming to understand that it's not Jesus as a human that's going. It's not Jesus as a really good person who's doing things. It's not Jesus as bringing us to that place of familiarity and that place of home and that place of familiar that we have, that Jesus says is just the dead burying the dead. The place where we feel most comfortable at is the idea that we're going to fix things, that we're going to be able to grab a hold of our destiny, that we're going to be able to make things right, that we're going to be able to create a place for us. But he says that's actually just being a coward, because the real picture is that we can't do anything, that wherever it is we go, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is we're doing, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is we're trying to fix, it doesn't matter because we're not going to be able to do it. The only hope is that God is going to get in the boat with us. And that's what Jesus is. It's God coming down and getting into this world with us and taking us to a place. And where is God taking us to? He's taking us to an understanding of exactly what they were amazed about, of understanding that God cares so much that he hasn't just given us some person to be a comfort. He's here with us to be a comfort, and he's going to take us to different places. And nothing, no power in the world is going to be able to prevent that. And even if, as in the case of Jesus, where it reaches its climax, the powers of the world kill Jesus, they haven't killed God, and God will raise him from the dead. And Jesus is preparing a place of comfort for us in heaven. And what we're looking at right now is the journey. A journey defined by where is God going? And where is God going is defined by where is Jesus going? What is God doing? And what God is doing is defined by what we see Jesus doing. And whatever fix there is on this journey, it's a fix where people are coming to understand who Jesus is. And coming to that hope that brings us through the storms, that, that, that is what 
it's all about, which is coming to understand through Jesus that God is in our life, that God cares about us, that the different things that are happening are not this person or that person. It's God just blessing us and caring for us and seeing us through this life. And that whatever it is that this world is going to throw at us, that Jesus has a journey for us. And that journey is going to end with us in heaven talking about all these stories that we're experiencing right now in this life. Jesus is saying, it's okay to be a spectator. It's good that we're watching. But he says, you can jump in. And the only requirement to jump in is you just have to be willing to go wherever it is Jesus is going. You just have to be willing to do whatever it is that Jesus is doing. And you just have to be willing to face up with courage that the only thing that's happening besides the dead burying the dead is people coming to know Jesus. Let's pray. Uh, and if, you'd, if you're watching this and you'd like to come to know Jesus, uh, you already have. <laughs> It's there in your heart. Jesus is moving your heart. That's him. That's God speaking to you. And if you'd like to respond by saying, I want to become a follower of Jesus, it's a simple thing. It's just saying, Jesus, forgive me for my sins and just let me be a follower of you. And as we've been saying, the promise is that God will be with us, that the Holy Spirit will come on you. Uh, let's pray. Jesus, anyone that would like to become a follower of you, I pray that you would forgive them of their sins and that you would give them the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would take all of us with tribe on a journey with you. Help us to get into the game. Help us to let go of whatever it is we've been holding on to and just go where we see you going. Help us to just grab a hold of whatever it is that we see you're doing and stop trying to fit it into whatever fix we think it needs to happen. And help us to just understand who you are, Jesus. Help us to have faith in that and bring the people we're around to that same understanding. We lift this all up to you in your name, Jesus. Amen.